sharing generously with others. Yeah. And lastly, we have the why. To take hold of true life by investing in what is eternal and lasting. Yeah. So I'm going to spend tonight doing a deep dive into those three components. Yeah. Um, but first, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for how generous you have been to us. Yeah. Thank you that you didn't withhold the greatest gift, the gift of your life, that you came down from the riches in heaven and shared with us your life and your presence. And then you died so that we could do the same. We could share your life and your joy, your love with others because we have an abundance. God, I pray that you would reveal that to our hearts tonight, that you would impress it upon us and help us to walk in that truth, Lord. Yes, we love you so much, Father. All of this is for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so giving. Who do we do it for? Um, to talk about this part, I'm going to use an illustration from my childhood. I'm going to talk to you about my nana. Um, I had a grandmother growing up. She's no longer with us, but we called her nana. She was my dad's mom. And she was the quintessential grandmother. Like, cutesy old lady. <laughs> Um, her family was British, so like came over on the boat British. So she had a little bit of a British accent with certain things that she said. I think the first time she visited us in Texas, she was like, oh, it's Hotsy Totsy out here. And we were like, Anna, this isn't Mary Poppins. <laughs> she was just cute. She was just really cute. Um, she made like scones for breakfast, home-made scones. Um, we stayed over at her house. She was the best. Um, and she also always treated her grandchildren like we were starving, I don't know. I feel like that's just a grandma thing too. Um, she would like serve us food, we'd take a couple bites and then we'd have a whole nother serving of food and we'd be like, please, we're gonna die. She'd be like, you're skin and bones. Like she just was so, so sweet. Um, and one of the things that she liked to do every now and then was host a family reunion on the Jersey Shore. Um, so she would rent a beach house and she would invite my parents and me and then, and my brothers, <laughs> them too, and then my dad's siblings and my cousins and we would come and get together and she'd host us for the weekend there. I think we have a picture of us. Oh, uh, look at that. Oh, so awkward. <laughs> it was the 4th of July. We weren't just dressed like that. <laughs> like that uh, my Nana's in the middle there in the white like button-up shirt, and then my mom and I are on the far right in the matching Old Navy 4th of July tank tops. The girls who get it, get it. The girls who don't, don't. It, it was a thing. Those, those Old Navy matching like 4th of July things had a chokehold on my mom. Um, Alice is really lucky we don't have an Old Navy in San Angeles. I'd be getting into that. Um, and then right next to me there is my brother. I zoomed in on his face on the next slide just because... <laughs> that's his happy face. That's what he thought. That he's full of joy there. Um, that has nothing to do with the sermon. I just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> that's my brother. Um, but anyway, that's us at the beach house on the 4th of July. And um, <clears throat> the beach house was like a magical place, okay? Um, there was one, one year I told my Nana... I was an ungrateful turd of a child, and she made me homemade scones for breakfast. And I was like, Nana, you know what I like? 
I like Honey Bunches of Oats, like the cereal, you know? Like, which, I stand by that, though. I stand. <laughs> Look, I know Lucky Charms and them have, like, the nostalgic taste of childhood, but Honey Bunches of Oats is, like, crack. That stuff is so good. Um, still love it. But I told my Nana that. And at the next family reunion, I walked into the kitchen of the beach house, and there were 11 boxes of Honey Bunches of Oats. 11. And it wasn't a passive-aggressive, like, you said you wanted this instead of my scones. Here it is. Like, there were scones, too. She just, that's how she was. She wanted me to know that she yeah. remembered what I liked. Yeah. And she wanted me to have enough of it to be satisfied. Yeah. And more than that, she she gave me enough of it to where I, like, didn't want it anymore. I was like, man, I do like other cereals. Please. Um, but that's how she was, and that's how the beach house was. And I remember my brothers and I used to fight all the time over, like, food and games and whatever. And at the beach house, we just didn't. There was enough for everybody. Yeah. We didn't want to mess that up with any sort of fight, you know? Yeah. And it was the same for the adults. Like, my parents both worked when I was growing up. And so um, I was, like, in charge of the house during the summer while they were out working. But at the beach house, they left their computers, their phones at home, and they were out on the beach playing with us all day because they knew that they didn't have to be grinding. At the end of the day, there would be dinner on the table because my Nana had it covered. Like, yeah. she was gonna take care of us. She was a good host. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so because my Nana was generous, we could all be generous with our time and with ourselves to each other, right? Yeah. So um, I say all that to say that God is a generous host. Yeah. Yeah. He's better than my Nana. Yeah. That's high praise. God is a generous host. Yeah. Creation yeah. is the ultimate expression of God's generosity towards us. Yeah. Our world is so abundantly full yeah. of resources and opportunity. Genesis 1, 28-29 says it this way. God blessed them, man and woman, and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. So the Garden of Eden was a place of plenty. And it was supposed to spread and fill the whole world. God said, be fruitful and multiply. And there were rivers of water flowing out of Eden. So this thing was supposed to grow and sustain itself as it grew. Jesus talks about this abundance in a slightly different way in the New Testament. And I'm going to paraphrase here. But he says, um, consider the birds. Think about the flowers. They don't worry about their existence. And God provides for them. Yeah. And how much more than the birds and the flowers does God care about you? So God is a generous host who has made this creation and invited us to live with him because he is willing and able to meet our every need. Okay, so that's the who, um, which makes the why a little complicated. Because if there's enough to go around and if God is such a generous host, then why do I have to give what I have away? Like, shouldn't the people around me have enough too? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, so now we're going to jump into the why. And there's two real reasons. Um, one, I've found, is that sharing what we've been given is how we show God that we're thankful for it. 
So my Nana, to go back to that example, found joy in opening up the beach house to us because she got to watch her grandchildren play together and she got to share a meal with her family. That was a big deal to her. Um, It would have broken her heart if I had walked into the beach house at that family reunion, grabbed a box of Honey Bunches of Oats and gone, thanks, Nana, and gone into my room and stayed there the whole weekend and eaten that box of, like, that would have defeated the purpose of the gift, right? She wouldn't have been able to enjoy fellowship with me, and I wouldn't have been able to enjoy the fullness of that gift because I'd be locked in my room. There's a whole ocean and beach in the backyard. I'm missing out, you know? Yeah. Um, So I would have damaged my relationship with my grandmother and violated the purpose of the gift. It was meant to be shared. And just because I told my grandma, hey, thank you for the cereal, didn't make her feel like I was thankful, you know? Um, And this is really important that we show God that we're grateful because the first step away from God is ingratitude. Mm. The first step away from God (laughs) is ingratitude. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to show you how that's true. I think that's the history of mankind. God's generosity is so central to his word and to his character that it's the first thing that the serpent attacks in the garden. It's the first thing he attacks when he's talking to Eve. He said, did God really say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden? (laughs) That's absurd. Like, What is Eve supposed to eat? And what are all these trees for? Of course God didn't say that. He said the opposite. And Eve says that. She goes, no, God said we could eat from the trees in the garden. Well, except for that one. And the the serpent gets her to ask the question, what if God's holding out on me? What if God's holding out on me? Instead of being thankful for everything God has provided and trusting that he's given her the best portion, she fixates on the one thing that he's withheld. She begins to covet what she doesn't have. And when we ask that question, what if God is holding out on me? The the temptation is to then take matters into my own hand and secure for myself what I think God Uh, is withholding. Right? This happens over and over again in scripture. So just look at the story of Abraham and Sarah. God promises that he's going to send them a son. But he takes years and years and years and years to deliver on that promise. And they're looking around at their friends and their neighbors having kids, and they start to question, what if God's holding out on me? What what if he doesn't deliver on his promise? Or what if I'm supposed to deliver on his promise? I've got to take this into my own hands. And they try to have a son by using their Egyptian servant, Hagar, and it only brings grief to everyone involved. Jacob asks the same question when he deceitfully steals his brother's blessing and inheritance instead of believing that there is enough for both him and Esau. What Jacob doesn't know is that before he was even born, God chose him as a conduit for blessing. All he's thinking is about his culture and his place within the culture. Well, I'm the younger son, so I'm going to get passed over and everything's going to go to my brother. There's not enough to go around. I've got to do something about this. And lastly, and there's more examples than this, I promise, but the Israelites ask this question in the wilderness. When God provides them with manna after they've already been complaining about how the food is so much better in Egypt, um, they ask for manna, and God gives it to them, and he says, just take enough for today, and I'll give you more tomorrow. 
and they're looking out at this vast wilderness full of manna, and it's like, God, there's so much out there. Are you holding out on me? Why are you putting limits on what I can take? So they take more than they're supposed to, and it spoils. It goes rotten. And this is how we live so often today. It makes me think of um, COVID. Not that I want to think about COVID anymore, but it makes me think about COVID when toilet paper started going missing from the stores, right? And we heard there's not going to be enough toilet paper. So everybody ran out and grabbed way more toilet paper than they ever needed. We all became like the extreme couponer people and had stashes of toilet paper in our homes. And we created the very problem we were trying to avoid. We created scarcity, right? On a greater scale, what about world hunger? What about overpopulation or climate change? These things are real. People are starving in our world today. But it's not a supply problem. According to the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, they did a study in 2009 that found that the world right now produces more than one and a half times enough food to feed everyone on the planet. We're actually, our farmers today are producing enough to feed over 10 billion people. There's about 7 billion on our planet today. We don't have a supply problem. We have a distribution problem. God has entrusted to humanity to take care of one another, to be generous, to share. And we're so worried about scarcity, we've created a problem that we've been trying to avoid. We've taken matters into our own hands and hoarded things up for ourselves instead of trusting God to provide. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the first why. (laughs) Um, Some of us, um, probably all of us, if we're being honest, myself included, have taken that first step away from God, that first step of ingratitude, and asked ourselves, what if God's holding out on me? And in some area of our life, we've tried to take things into our own hands. And so we are called to be generous so that we can take that step back towards God, so that I can take that step back into relationship with my Nana and have that fellowship that I'm supposed to have at the beach house. You guys tracking? Yeah. Awesome. All right. On to the second why. And we actually find this in um, the end of that First Timothy passage. It says, Storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Um, Jesus talks about this in Matthew, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What I find interesting about this is Jesus understands the the human condition, uh, how we want to have security in something and store up treasure. We want to invest in something. And he doesn't say that that's wrong. He actually tells us to do it. He just challenges what we're storing up and what we're investing in. The upside-down nature of the kingdom of God is that the more we give of our material possessions, the more we're storing up for our inheritance in heaven. How does that work, though? (laughs) Like, am I going to have, like, mystical gold in heaven? And if I give 10 bucks on earth, I get 10 
gold heaven bucks in heaven? <laughs> no, <laughs> if that wasn't obvious. Um, no, our security, as we move it from wealth to God, um, it becomes founded in our trust in God and the relationships that we invest in. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Because when we die, the only thing we can really take with us is the people that we've led to Jesus. They're coming with us, yeah, right? Yeah. So the relationships you invest in now become your future inheritance yeah, in heaven. Come on. Yeah. Together with God, we build a community of mutual care and generosity that's based in our trust in God. Yeah. Um, and that that changes the way we live on earth too. I know yeah. that if I get into trouble, if Richard and I need help, I can call the Scroggins yeah. and they've got my back. I can call yeah. the Franklins or the Goffs or the Garzas and they've got my back. Yeah. And they know that we have theirs because we've built this community together of mutual care and generosity. Yeah. That's how we were designed to live. Yeah. Yeah. And those things thieves can't take from us. Yeah. Like it can't be destroyed. Yeah. Um, and so that's the other why we're investing in our future inheritance. We're storing up treasure in the people that we are generous to. Yeah. So that leads me to um, the things that we should be doing. What is giving? And I'm going to give a what and a bonus how as well. So, uh, ooh, thank you. <laughs> Went above and beyond. Um, so I think that um, there's two aspects of, of giving here to yep. be discussed. So the first is if we believe that there really is enough to go around, um, then we can be open-handed, right? Yeah. We can live sacrificially and beyond our means. We can open up our homes and um, have like an open-door policy. We can invite people in and live like we're spending a weekend at my Nana's beach house and be flexible with our time and our attention and our affection. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What that looks like is always seeking needs and meeting them because our needs have already been met and satisfied by God. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. That's up there for you. Um, so you should always be seeking needs and meeting them because our needs are already met and satisfied by yeah. God. Yeah. The second um, is investing in, in souls. So somebody's got to go <laughs> and yeah. win these people that we're bringing to heaven with us, right? Yeah. And um, some of us are going to be called to the mission field in, in radical ways. We're going to be called around the world yeah. and that kind of thing, called to plant churches and win people that way. And some of us are going to be called to give so that others can go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Um, if I give so that a missionary can win someone around the world, I've also won that person together. Through yeah. a partnership, we've won that person together. Yeah. We've invested in our inheritance in heaven. And God's family is bigger yeah. in heaven because of it. Um, so that is the second. And now I'm going to talk about practically what that looks like for us, because that all sounds all, all nice and good. <laughs> but giving is a spiritual discipline. Yeah. Uh, it's called a discipline because it takes practice and consistency. It's not something that you stumble into accidentally. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the temptation is going to be, for us especially, to wait until we graduate college and get our dream job. And then we'll wait until we've got like six months of steady paychecks okay. coming in, okay. and then we'll start giving. Uh, I promise you, that has never happened. Yeah. <laughs> That's never happened. Mm -hmm. Because the more you acquire, the easier it's going to be to put your hope in what you've acquired. Yeah. And then it gets really hard to give that up. Yeah. Yeah. 
So now, while you have little, is when you begin to take small steps and practice giving so that when you have much, it's like a reflex. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I know some of us, I mean, Scroggins said it before, we're, we're poor college students. We might not have a lot to give, but I promise you have something. Yeah. You have something. You have time. You have gifts and talents. You have um, your home that you can open up, whether it's a dorm or apartment or a house that you can invite people into. Yep. And if you don't do it now, you're not going to do it down the road when yep. you have babies in that house and you've got, you know, it's messy and all of that stuff. We have to start now because yeah. it's a discipline. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm going to close now if the worship team wants to come on up. Um, sorry, let me get a drink. It's that post-summit play. Okay. So um, lastly, I want to look at that verse that Jesus concludes on in Matthew 6, verse 21. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah. That verse is interesting to me because um, there's two ways to look at it. One is diagnostic, and this is my first challenge for you this week. There's something about this verse. It says, if you look at where your treasure's at, then it will reveal something about your heart. So I want all of us, myself included, to go home this week and look at our, our bank statements. Yeah. And look at where our treasure is. Yeah. What are we spending our money on? Is it entertainment? Yeah. Is it food? And we need food to survive, but like, let's be realistic. We don't need Whataburger every night of the week. <laughs> yeah. What are we spending our money on? Yeah. Yeah. Because that will reveal what we're worshiping. That's good. Where our allegiance is in our heart. Jesus. And so we can diagnose those things. Yeah. But the second really cool thing about that verse is um, if our treasure is where our heart is, then we can lead our heart by moving our treasure. Yeah. So we can say, no, no, don't worship that. Worship this yeah. by changing where we put our money. So I promise you, because um, I've seen it, it's true in my life. When I've partnered with a missionary, yeah. I've said, I'm going to give you money to go overseas. And I'm going to give faithfully and sacrificially every month. I pray for them more. Yeah. Yeah. I stay connected with them. I want to know what's going on in their ministry because I'm, I'm funding it, yeah. you know? My treasure's there, and so I teach my heart to care about the things of God because that's where I'm invested monetarily. So some of us, we want to have a burden for missions. We want to give back to the Lord, and the only way to learn how to do that is is to start, (laughs) to to lead our hearts because right feelings follow right actions. So if I take the action step and I start giving to a church or to a missionary, even though it hurts and I don't really feel anything yet, I don't even know this person I'm giving to, that over time my feelings will follow because I'm keeping up with them and I'm seeing how they're changing lives for the gospel. We have a really cool and unique opportunity to do that actually in our Chi Alpha together. So I don't know if you guys know this, but in November every year we have Missions Week. Yeah. Has anybody been to Missions Week before in this room? Okay, it's awesome. Super cool. It's a unique, really unique experience. We have missionaries come from all over the world and the marketplace, and they spend a whole week with us. And they get coffee with us and meals with us, and they answer our questions and share testimonies and prayer requests. And we pray over the nations together. It's just beautiful. It's a picture of heaven, really, is what it is. The whole globe coming together and, and worshiping and seeking God's heart. 
And, um, and we do that, and then at the end of the week, we give them an offering. And um, a lot of these missionaries that are going to be visiting, they're itinerating. So they're maybe not on the field yet, or they've been on the field, and they come back off the field to get support and go back. And so they, they're looking for supporters so they can get back to the harvest. Yeah. And like I said earlier, some of us are going to be called to go, and some are going to be called to send. And right now, we can't go anywhere, so we're, we're sending. Yeah, yeah. That's our call. These missionaries need someone to send them. And um, this year, our goal is to raise $4,000 to give to these missionaries. Yeah. It sounds really daunting when I say it that way. On an individual level, what the responsibility is, is about 50 bucks a person. Yeah. We've got a month, so it's doable. Yeah. It's totally doable. Yeah. We've done it before. How much did we raise last year? Do you remember, Scarlett? Four and a half thousand. Four and a half thousand. Woo. Okay. We can do it. We've done it. Yeah. <laughs> We've done it. So, <clears throat> what that's going to look like is tonight, where we would normally go out to Water River Haynes and we blow $15 and we eat like mediocre fast food. <laughs> go with your small group or with multiple small groups. Make it a family thing. Go to Walmart or somewhere and get some, some ramen or some spaghetti in a jar of spaghetti sauce for less than $5 and go back to somebody's house and cook a meal together. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a little more effort. And it doesn't give you that dopamine hit that Whataburger Kings or whatever gives you. I'll admit, jar spaghetti sauce is jarred spaghetti sauce. But if we sacrificially give for a month, if we do this, if we give up a little bit of Starbucks, yeah. a little bit of fast food, and we do this together, yeah. we can get after the heart of God in this way. We can mimic the generosity of our Father and show Him how grateful we are for yeah. what He's done for us. Yeah. And we can take some souls with us yeah. into heaven. Isn't that really cool? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think that's really cool. I'm on board. Yeah. So I hope you guys are on board too. I can't, I don't have $4,000, but I'll, I'll do my 50. Yeah. You guys will do your 50. Yeah. yeah? yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to pray and then we're going to close just singing and giving some, some gratitude to the Lord. Just taking some time to think about all that he's given us, all that he's blessed us with, and to kind of rally ourselves to go forward for the mission offering. God, thank you, thank you for tonight. Thank you for uh, the kick in the butt that I know I needed, God. Um, thank you for the reminder that you have been generous and open-handed, and it's not asking much for me to, to be the same, to do the same because you've given an abundance. I have enough. Yes. I have what I need. You've met my needs and you've satisfied. And I have enough to share. God forbid that I be like that um, brother in the parable of the prodigal son. Where the father has been waiting and waiting for his son to come home after a lifetime of squandering wealth and living in rebellion. And he comes home and they throw a big party and the brother is outside the house missing out on the party. Because he, he just can't bring himself to celebrate seeing God be generous to someone else. Seeing his father be generous to someone else. We, we do that, Lord. I do that. I want it all. <laughs> and I forget that there's enough for me and my brother. Yeah. I can celebrate when I see your generosity and your goodness and your blessings in someone else's life. 
because their blessing overflows and becomes my blessing. Yeah. God, help me to be satisfied with my portion. Help me to be hospitable, to be a good host like you are, Lord. Help me to remember the souls and the people that are going to be my inheritance one day with you. And help me to invest in those things now, God, because they're lasting. Those are the people that are going to be there for me when I need them, God. And I'll be there for them, just like you are there for me. God, we pray all these things in your name. Would you be glorified to me, God?